The text for the sermon today, and I'd like you to hear this message and keep it in the back of your mind. It comes from 1 John chapter 4, where it writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to begin by telling you a little bit about the life of a pastor during the season of Christmas. The season of Christmas is a particularly busy time of the year. And it's kind of interesting as a pastor, because we're listening to Christmas music, thinking Christmas stuff all the way back at the beginning of November, at least. And so, we, you know, it's kind of busier, because, you know, first you have the Thanksgiving service, and you have all the midweek Advent services, and then you have a weekend like to this year, where we have the fourth Sunday of Advents landing on a Sunday, I mean, landing on December 24th. So we had services last night. I wasn't here, but Pastor Salcedo did. We had two services this morning. We have the service right now. And we have another service tomorrow morning for Christmas Day. And so it kind of makes for a pretty busy time of the year. But here's where, for me, it becomes a tough time of the year. Because here's the deal is, I am not married. I do not have children. And so I'm going to go home this evening. To my apartment, which is empty. I won't have a meal. I won't have family waiting for me. But I'll know that this is what other people are doing. Tomorrow morning we'll have services and then I'll go right back to it. I won't be able to go to stores or go out to eat much because most places are closed. It's Christmas. For that reason, that usually it's one of the more difficult times of the year for me. But I say this not to make you feel guilty or feel sorry for me or anything like that. I say it because to be mindful of what this season is for so many. It is a season of pain of sorrow, of grief. Because 
And a large part of it is because this has been a difficult year on multiple levels. Back in October, we had that special um, candlelight vigil. Or not a candlelight, but a prayer vigil. In light of what has been going on in this world. And we've had the hurricanes. The issue in Charleston, um, Charlottesville, sorry, Virginia. The, the mass shooting in Vegas. The mass shooting at the church in Texas. And then we have the things going on in our personal lives. In recent months, myself, Pastor Salcedo, other pastors in the area have met the sting of sudden, unexpected death, and it's been a multitude of them. And for that reason, today, many people, many of you who are here, there are probably people, somebody that you are sitting there thinking, they should be sitting next to me right now. It doesn't feel quite right. And for some of you, this isn't the first year that you felt that. I can't help but, and I don't want to make light of this or whatever, but I think of that family of Ethan Neeson in um, East Sac, or actually they live in um, you know, the, part of the East Sac High School. And I think about their that parents how hard this day is going to have to be because as recently as he died I mean they probably bought a gift for him they're going to look under that tree and they're going to see that gift and they know they can't give it to him this is a day where the bitterness of divorce relationships have come to an end Sickness. People are in nursing homes, assisted living now, and they can't get out as much. For whatever reason, things are not quite the way they were. And the bitterness, the brokenness of this world just weighs so much heavier. And see, the thing is, is this all is part of our idolatry that comes out every Christmas. Because what we have done is we have made the heart of Christmas about something that it's not. We've made it about Christmas movies or specials. We've made it about that special feeling that we get from the Christmas music. We've made it about a white Christmas. We've made it about the Christmas lights, the trees. We've made it about the gifts and the presents. We've made it about our family and friends. Now, none of these things are bad in and of themselves. But they are not the heart or the core of what Christmas is about. see and so what we do is because 
the brokenness in this world, the problems in this world, when they meet us at Christmas, we want to withdraw from the Christmas celebration. We don't want to confront because it's so much more difficult. And this is exactly what idolatry does to us. Because the thing that we miss when we let Christmas be about things of this life, of this world, then we miss the comfort of Christmas. We miss the fact that it's because of sickness. It's because of death. It's because of broken relationships. It's because of all these horrible things in this world. It's because of these things that we celebrate Christmas in the first place. It's because of the sin that entered through Adam and Eve, as we heard in that first reading today. It's because of that which it's infected us all, which carries through us all, which we all fall into over and over again. It's because of that sin that we have death. And so it's for that reason we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the divine plan that God began in the garden when he said that he would crush the serpent's head. It's because the word, when I say that, Greek, that word, that statement, the word, it's a Greek word, a Greek concept. The Greek word actually is logos. The logos is, it's, refers to an Aristotelian argument of the unmoved mover. Aristotle argued, in his argument for the existence of God, said that everything in the world has a cause and effect. Except for one thing, the unmoved mover. The one who moves everything into motion. That is God. That's what the Logos is. That's what the Word is. So he says in the beginning, in the Gospel of John, it says in the beginning was the Logos, or the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word is God. <coughs> so this Word which is God, who moved everything into existence. When I say everything, I don't mean just the big grand things you see. I'm talking about even the littlest, idiots, bittiest things that you don't even think about. I mean, just to give you a, an illustration, if I take my... Okay, trivia question, trick question here. Am I touching the surface here? Am I touching this um, table, if you're looking at it? For those of you looking, am I touching it? No. If you, the answer, your temptation is to say yes. But if you, for those of you who are done physics, you would know that if you took a super-powered microscope, you could zoom in and see that I'm not actually touching. In fact, what is happening is the molecules in my finger and the molecules within the table are spreading. So it feels and it looks like we're 
It's touching, but in reality, I'm not touching it. Our God, so the Logos, the Word, is the one who moves all of that, controls all of it, spoke it into existence. So that Word, that Logos, so Christmas is the day that we remember that the Logos, the Word, who is God, became flesh by entering in to the womb of a 14-year-old girl. So look at our, our eighth, seventh or eighth graders. Look at them. Seventh or eighth grade girl. Any of them are in our confirmation class. You see them. You're getting an idea as to how old Mary was. So he entered into a womb of a girl like them. And he lived in, he dwelled within that womb for nine months. And it was, Mary was not a woman of wealth. In fact, she was of poverty. Not royalty, not of the priestly order, but like I said, of poverty. That is who the word, the, the word, one who spoke everything into existence became human flesh in this mild, in this life of poverty. And he would become as human as human could be. He would poop, he would pee, he would cry, he would become hungry, he would become thirsty, he'd wake his mother up in the middle of the night. He'd do everything. A little baby does. And he'd grow up to be an adult. But as an adult, he would do incredible things. Like making the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak, and the blind to see. He would even raise people from the dead. And in spite of this, he would be hated. He would be rejected. He'd be abandoned by his closest friends and betrayed, and he would eventually reach a point of absolute and utter nothingness. And this is important because if I'm talking about the fact that we live in a time when we feel this loneliness, we feel this brokenness. This is the first very important point. Our God knows loneliness like you don't understand. Because he said it himself from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he was on that cross, he was completely and utterly alone. He had no one or anything. He was naked. They stripped him. God himself had abandoned, the God the Father abandoned God the Son. Abandoned Jesus. He had nothing, had no one. And he slowly died. An agonizing, brutal death. But see, he endured that for you because he loved you so much he did it because 
of the sickness in the world, because of the death in the world, because of the broken relationships in this world, because of divorce, because of all these horrible things going on. He did it ultimately because of their cause, which is sin. He died to defeat sin, death, and the devil, and to guarantee that those who have died in the faith, those people who you're looking, you wish they were here, but and they're gone for a period, it's because we sell it's because of what we celebrate because god became human flesh because he suffered and died on the cross because he comes to in his word as you are here this day as you come any sunday which is why it is so utterly tragic every single christmas the pastor's going to watch this we see this church filled to the brim we have to see people in the in the side room we know very well that it's not going to be like this next week or the week after that. Because we, have take, we do take for granted this world. We, we, see, we see so little bad. I listed through these things, but really, it's so small. Because if we really understood how bad the world was, we would be flocking every time and hearing God's word as often as we can calling to mind our baptism as often as we can. We would be receiving the Lord's Supper as often as we can because it is through his word, through his sacrament, that he gives us strength to endure this world. Because you see, the one, he lo the one, the light, See, that's why we have these lights all around during Christmas. You see it on this tree. The light of the world. Who is God became human flesh. The one who's in that manger. The one who hung upon the cross. Is the one who comes to you in the bread and the wine for your forgiveness. To give you strength in this world that constantly wants to beat you up and tear you down. That's why we're here. That's why we worship not only on Christmas. It's why we worship every chance we get. And honestly, we don't come to worship. Well, we do, but primarily we come to receive his gifts of his word in his sacrament by which he gives us strength. I began the sermon with the text, the text from 1 John, reminding, which calls to mind how great the love of our God is. It says in Romans 5 that God loved the worlds in this way that he gave his son, that God loved the world showed his love for us or God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us or the more familiar for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life because God has loved us so much you are called to love others as well. As I stated before, 
There's a lot of loneliness, a lot of brokenness. There is a lot of need in this world. In a little bit, you're going to have your individual candles lit as we sing Silent Night. The reason your individual candles are lit is it's a reminder that while we are celebrating this day, the birth, death, and resurrection of the light of the world who is Christ, who died for us, we also remember that he gave us his light, that we are the light of the Christ to the world. So as you go home in your cars, you look at the tree, the houses lit up, you look at the lights on your own home Christmas tree if you have them, I want you to remember that you are the light that someone needs. So just as the light of the world came to you, may you be a light unto others. Love as God has loved you. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith, to life everlasting. Amen.